You're listening to Innovation Fuel, a business podcast by University Canada West. Bringing you fantastic stories for accomplished entrepreneurs and key industry professionals. Let's explore the entrepreneurial world through local businesses and our university community. Wow, Galari, it's always great to see you. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm so happy when you're happy to see me. That's a great to know. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, part of my job is every day dealing with international students. I think I believe as an immigrant, Canada, Vancouver really needs international students. However, there is a lot of challenges for them to settling down, you know, and also there is a lot of challenges for domestic people to accepting those international students as part of the society. And this is my day-to-day life sometimes to deal with their challenges, opportunities. Yeah, because again, there is barriers all the time. Like we think about today, like, yes, Canada needs immigration. Canada needs these individuals to come here and set new roots here. We need to support our tax base. Guess what? I bet you want to retire someday because I definitely do. And I want to be able to collect a pension at the end of this element. But if we don't bring in these individuals and we don't make it easy for them to get here, how are we going to be able to support that? And I think, you know, as you said, like some of the challenges that we face is like we see higher inflation now. We see challenges with housing. We see challenges around security. You know, we want to welcome these individuals to come and be a part of this element. But what are the challenges to do that? Exactly. And also, you know, just look at the international cost, not just the tuition fee. And when we're talking about the housings, where they have to really rent an apartment, even our alumni, when they get a job, good jobs, it's still they are having problem with finding housing. You know, we have someone here, Thomas Reynoso, our innovation fuel producers, our alumni. This is ongoing problems for any newcomers and international students. I think they have more problems than others. I think we might have someone here that might have some insight to this. Yes, we have today the chairman and CEO of Toby Chu of CIBT Education Group. Let's welcome Toby Chu, the chairman and CEO of CIBT Education Group. Yes, welcome to Innovation Fuel, brought to you by University Canada West. Before we get to the story on Toby, we're so excited to hear what Toby has to say. Maybe Toby's going to talk to us about some challenges that you as students might be having around maybe housing. Let's find out. Before we get there, Toby, we need to know a little bit about you. Tell us all about who is Toby. Thank you for the invite. Uh, My name is Toby Chu. I'm with CIPT Education Group. Actually, we have a bit of a name change, so a little bit of background. Uh, We're now called Global Education Community Sports, so GEC in short. Uh, Why is the name change maybe a good start? Uh, We started about 30 years ago as an education institution. We own Sprachshaw College. We educate about 10,000 students per year. And then about 10 years ago, we started facing some challenges in terms of international students or even domestic students coming to study in Vancouver. Things become so expensive in terms of housing, try to find a place or you can find a place at all. Uh, so we started on the, uh, the venture of a student housing. So that was about close to 10 years ago now. Besides the education side of things, uh, now we own about $1.3 billion worth uh, of real estate portfolio where we accommodate students coming to study in Vancouver, we including all the services from 
other than the, the facilities itself, uh, housekeeping, furnitures, and all that, uh, so that students can just move in with a pair of luggages. So that's sort of how we added value. Uh, so today we employ about 630 employees, and we house about 3,200 students uh, from 71 countries. We provide our services, accommodation services, to about 92 schools in the Lower Mainland, including University of Canada West. Uh, and UBC of the world. That's sort of where, where we started from education for 30 years. And then 10 years ago, we overlapped it on top with the student housing model. And now we service both education and accommodations. So Toby, let's jump into this a little bit deeper. Let's go further into this. We know that Canada is in this situation where we need more population to support the tax base, to support the healthcare system, all these elements. We have this great push towards international students that are coming here. Past the pandemic, we're faced with this high inflation rate, housing crisis. How does your organization step into running around those challenges with students and the, the challenges that the students are facing as they're embarking on a new future in Vancouver or across Canada. First of all, I don't want to go too politically involved about the uh, you know new immigrants and uh, international students. I recall one episode called GPC Zachary on CNN, and he said that Canada has the best immigration system in the world. Now, why is that? Because we look for people with knowledge skills, both languages as well as their, their, their special skills, so that we can boost our population. And as such, any new immigrants or new international students arriving, they're actually helping our economy. They are contributing and helping uh, to grow the country. We need more people. I mean, we're, we're all in an aging group. And as population getting smaller and smaller, hey, who's going to pay for the pension plan? <laughs> you know. So I think all these are good things. Then, of course, the, the geopolitical issues, and then, of course, the, the interest rate driven by the geopolitical issue in Europe. We all know what that means. Those are the sort of the byproduct that no one anticipated. Who knows? You know, like, oh, the world is at a bit of a turmoil in, in, in Ukraine. And that drove the, the energy, then drove the inflation and all that. So, uh, yes, unfortunately, we are dealing with some of those problems. But we are big boys. We know how to fix it, right? You know, we have to, to ride through it. And in fact, you know, most recent report, 460,000 new immigrants arrive and international students in Canada a year before 2022 was 670,000. In 2022, it reached 875,000. <laughs> it's a 30% growth. Now we look at, okay, a lot of people came into the country, but we still got the second biggest geographical landmarks in the world. And we are mostly focusing in Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal. There's still a lot of room to grow. So I think a lot of this, people see as an issue. I see it as an opportunity to how to make it better. How do we sort of design our landscape? How do we design our living habits a little differently? You know, so we just made a, a bit of a mindsetting, mind adjustment. I recall when I came to Canada 55 years ago. That was a long time ago. A rental apartment is like 2,000 square feet. And they were talking about livability. Today, a rental apartment is like 300 square feet. So you can look at the difference. But you look at some of our, our colleagues uh, from Asia, from Japan, from, from South Korea, even from Brazil, the high-density cities, a 500, 1,000-square-feet apartment could accommodate a family of six. <laughs> so what's a big deal? So I think just matter of adjustments, 
and make the best out of, you know, not the most pleasant, but on the other hand, there is a rainbow. There is a silver lining. Our economy becomes stronger with new money, new talents, and new people helping out the economy. So that's how I see what people may perceive as a bit of problem. I don't think it's a problem if we know how to deal with it. If the community and the new generations say, hey, you know, less driving, less green, you know, more green, we all have challenges. So I don't think the housing, it is a crisis, but it's not something that is insurmountable. Okay, so I have questions about CIBT and the challenges of the growth. So what is your most um, demographic areas of students? Currently, we have about 10,000 systems in our system, about 5,000 are domestic or Canadian students. We have about uh, 60, we have 16 Canadian campuses uh, located within British Columbia, mostly in Vancouver, Surrey, Victoria, and Kelowna, Kamloops, Prince George, etc. And then through our language school, uh, Sprachshaw Language College, we educate another 5,000 per year. And that would be students from, you know, 40, 50 different countries. And for those international students, what they are seeking for? when they are coming to Vancouver? I think it's a combination of certain demographic group may look for a longer term, maybe immigration, maybe work experience. Uh, certain type may just want to learn, live and enjoy another culture and then go home. There's never one broad stroke of what are they looking for. Uh, so we're all depending on the demographic group. What is the benefit for Canada or Vancouver for those students just come to learn and go? What's the benefit? Oh, I think it bring back a lot of our, our culture to the uh, to their homeland. Just give you an example. I was in Saudi Arabia back about 15 years ago, and I was meeting with a uh, one of our partner there, one of the prince with you know six general managers in the boardroom, and just you know a casual conversation. Oh, you graduated from McGill. Oh, this person graduated from uh, UBC. Oh, the other one is from uh, Waterloo. I asked all these gentlemen. They are Saudis, of course. How come you guys all graduated from uh, from from Canada? They said, you know what, during the uh, Beirut issue in 1979, maybe it's a bit of a crisis there, Canada stepped up and took on all the students. They were international students. Even at the time when I met them, they were at their 40s. But 20 years ago, they were all students of Canada. And they, just because the Canadian government stepped up and helped all these people, and all these people graduated, got their master's degree, went back to Saudi and become general manager. So when we went there, they kind of like welcome us with open arms. Country educated us. We learned when nobody wants us. And now we came back to uh, Saudi Arabia and built and we'd love to have Canadian partners. That's the kind of things that was brought, you know, we have, have long term, some people call it karma, but I think it's good political goodwill, uh, knowledge and skill that we got from overseas, brought to Canada and they brought it back to their home countries. So it enhances our future economy. Some, some of the things may or may not be really absolute tangible, but even look at, you know, like Asian country in Hong Kong, you know, how many Chinese Canadians in Hong Kong? 380,000. I was at the, in, a, in a KPMG boardroom about a year and a half ago and have a meeting. I was talking to a KPMG accountants, a corporate finance person, UBC, SFU, U of T. <laughs> How are you guys are Canadians? <laughs> so again, that international network is most valuable. But Toby, wouldn't you say that there's, that, there's still a, 
a kind of a hesitation, a conservativeness here, meaning that yes, we we have like it seems like we have really good institutions. People are seeking those that education. We have beautiful places to live, but there is still a hesitantness of adapting international individuals into some of the jobs and some of the roles that we have there. That as we try to expand this economy, yeah, naturally it will happen. No matter which country, what culture, there will all be some always be a integration period. There's always been a little transitional period when people getting more and more adaptable to to a new arrival, newcomers, and it is a matter of time. I don't think you know it's going to be something that, especially the Canadian culture, uh, that we ever get into a situation where it stops. It will always be transitional to what the better. I understand that the transition is going to be better, but in what direction is going to be better? So, if you compare the ecosystems of Vancouver mostly right now with 15 years ago, with 10 years ahead, what will you see in a Vancouver ecosystem? I'm not just in the talking of Canada here, just alone in Vancouver. What you saw, what you see, what you will see. Well, put it this way: when I was in Canada in 1969, I was the only Asian-looking person in my entire school. Even looking, forget about what I am or who I am. But you know what? Right now, like my son goes to school, he's got friends from all over the world, right? You know, all kind of color skin. I mean, he learned all kind of different things, and and now he's talking about studying abroad. He want to go over there to Japan, to Korea, to Latin America. To meet friends from from India, it, it just made of generation and generation getting better and better at it. There will always be the, the stubborn ones. As we all go into the newer generation, after generations, the world is just one. I see that's how I see it. So it will become fully integrated over time, and and it will be deemed as a strange species if you've never been around the world. What about the economical developments now? Before our future. Well, I think we need all time, all kind of talents. You know, we need all kind of talents. As just the Canadian economy, I think that is not big enough. Look at the Americans; they are always out there. You know, hunting down new business opportunities around the world.、Uh, look at the、uh, the Brits. Look at Australians; they are always the first one pioneers to to expand overseas. Now, if you're going to think about expansion overseas, what kind of knowledge do you need? You don't need some of these international students who came from that region and help you to open up that business opportunities. So, I think all those are very positive things. It all depending on how people perceive it, and that's how they would contribute. Let's say if I want to expand into You know, Japan. Do I need a former Japanese international student to help me to open up that market, or we just want to continue dealing with the what thirty-eight million in the economy? You know, we 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 have to go beyond thinking about exporting Canada instead of just domestic. So that's how I think all the international students will ultimately contribute to the economy by bringing their knowledge, their network from overseas, and their language skills.、And、so all these are, I think, the, the the positive contributions. So you are saying that it's more about exporting and importing of the talents. What about goods and products? Because you know, as you said, that there is a huge network between all of those immigrants. But there is a lot of trading issues that we have in Canada in terms of expenses, in terms of costs, in terms of legal issues. So what about those aspects? 
Well, there's no different than any other business. No matter what you do, you can go down south to the border. You still face the same thing, right? So I don't see that as a problem. It's a learning curve. That's all. So it's, it's no different than here doing business in Quebec. <laughs> Even that is a learning curve. Uh, so no, I don't see that as a problem. It's better. Of, in fact, you can overcome those problems much easier with, you know, the, the, the local culture type. Uh, that knows what's going on over there. Um, so I, I see that as a plus. Uh, the rest is just learning curve. So what about the cost of shipping? Because we are far, far away from Europe and other places or Middle East. So what are the costs of the product? There are certain products around the world that are desirable. Uh, it's no different than exporting like oil from Russia to here, right? It's no different than, than bringing any commodities. Uh, there are a lot of Canadian products. For example, uh, let's call it Lululemon. We all know Lululemon. They're all over the world. What does matter? It all depending on what type of product, what type of services that you are providing. Uh, obviously, if you're just pr uh, producing something, a run of the meal, everybody's doing the same thing. You have no niche. Then that cost becomes a problem. I was, in fact, another example. I had a discussion with president of Weisbot, you know, uh, Weisbot Burger. You know, the, one of the busiest locations is in Guangzhou, China. They love burgers. <laughs> They love the French fries and the triple O sauce. So, Yeah, you know, I was surprised. But again, same as Madonna and KFC. We think about this because, you know, what, I, what I'm hearing Tobias here is, is that, you know, Canada has a current culture and a cultural values, but it seems like Canada's cultural values need to shift because you talk about the United States, you talk about Hong Kong, you talk about Britain. These are very different ways of thinking, meaning there are much more risk uh, taking than we are. We're a very conservative society. How do we shift that element? How do we shift that perspective to meet this future Canada that we think that will support more of these immigrants and bring more into these immigrants to support our economy? I think to, uh, to a large extent, we have, it's depending on a type of business or industries that, uh, that you know, we're talking about. For certain industry, it may, may not be suitable to go abroad. They see that, oh, this is not a product that we, 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 we may need. But on the other hand, there could be other things that we may need from them. For example, when the global economy was uh, not doing too great in 2008 or throughout the past couple of decades, the global economic cycle turns. When Europe is doing really well, North America may be, Asia may be doing really well. And then when Asia is really bad, the rest of the world could be doing well. So let's look at uh, the corporate finance world. When the market was weak, we have a strong economy in China about 10 years ago. And if I'm in a corporate finance world, I'm dealing with bankers. If some of our students graduated in the, in the corporate finance, accounting, whatever, love to bring some of those capital here to build some of the things we want to build. So it all depending on the industry. Certain product may or may not be suitable to go overseas at a certain period of time, but certain industry could be. We could be bringing our, uh, 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 our product like Lululemon around the world. We could be bringing in capital from Korea, from China, to Hong Kong, to here, to invest into some of the venture capital companies. So all those are different parts of the, the, the puzzle. Then there is no one, one thing that will fit all. Whatever that product or services we are exporting or product bringing in, importing, our international cosmopolitan community would adapt to it. And you are able to find the resources to do it. 
So, but it comes back to this Canadian identity. What happens to the Canadian identity? We, we already see a challenge right now. We see this element of more and more international investment, which is great, and the infrastructure of the international investment. But where does the Canadian identity? Where is that element? Is it starting to lose its? You, you see what I mean? Like the value element might be shifting. Meaning, okay, so who are we? Are we Canadian? Or are we? Well, there is a there is no clear definition of any particular country at fixed period of time. At certain period of time, what's Australian? Where they are down south and they do their own thing. <laughs> what's in the UK, right? You know, besides the Queen. Um, so I think as the the generation move over and more and more progress forward, I think. Canadian community is all more deemed as a cosmopolitan, more and more cosmopolitan with a combination of. As compared to if you look at, uh, you know, certain country, people have a certain perception. If you go to that region of the world, you got to be a darker skin. You go to a certain part of the world, you got to be a lighter skin. When you think about Canada today compared to 20 years ago, it's all color. <laughs> it's cosmopolitan. Which is brilliant and kind of talks to that element that you're talking about, Toby, about we are we are becoming our own global community in and in, in its own itself. And maybe our connectivity to the global market is going to be that much stronger based on what we've already created. That's our strength. In fact, that's our strength. We're such a cosmopolitan city and country that we can have so many resources. We can tap into any way of the world. Look, at I have students coming from 72 countries living with us. If I needed someone to do a translation work, I can tap into my own student pool. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing business into uh, uh, like Vietnam. I got about 45 students from Vietnam. I can draw from that pool. So what opportunities does that open up for you and your organization? As you see this future element that we're talking about and that growth, what does that open up for you and the organization you're a part of? Again, our organization comes in two big parts, the education and the accommodation services, the real estate services. Let's look at education. We are probably one of the bigger international student bodies. We love to have more students coming in from around the world. We are planning an expansion strategy into Southeast Asia. Good example, Vietnam. It's one of the fastest growing economy in the world, uh, same as Latin America. So we look for talents. We just had a, uh, a career fair at one of our campuses two days ago. And we have so many resumes and they speak all kinds of languages. And I'm looking for that particular niche market. I need those students to help me. And they become, you know, once they finish their business management program, uh, finish their sales and marketing or e-commerce, I need those talent and the background. And that's number one. Number two for accommodation or real estate services. I'm going to Asia in four days. And we are, so far in the last few years, we brought in close to $100 million from overseas, invested in the real estates, help us build those rental properties. And I need the talents who can speak that language, who understand that culture into Japan, into South Korea, into Singapore, into, into Hong Kong, into China. So all these are how we use that international cosmopolitan population to permit into our system. Our international department, our advisors at Sproutshaw speaks about 30 different languages. And at least one third of them came from our student pool. They went from students to graduates to become our staff. Look at the president. The president of Sproutshaw College is a graduate of Sproutshaw College. <laughs> and he managed 500 people. So those are the kind of things that the education system can really help breed the next generation of Canada using their background the history, the culture, the language skill, and, and that's the value. 
what type of education do you think is good for our international students to help them to settle in Canada? Uh, I think that is a pretty broad-based question. I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to say which particular type of program is good for certain type of students. Uh, but I can give you some example why I say that. One of my colleagues, you know, friend who owns Blanche McDonald, is a cosmetic school. You know, it's expensive, but very well known, very famous, and they provide services to all the Hollywood film stars coming to Vancouver to do filming. We have a lot of Korean females, a lot of Japanese females who love to do that, and they really enjoy it and make good money after graduations. <laughs> so that's number one. There's, you know, like for for other culture or for other other type of industry it may not be suitable. But look at look at our programs. Uh, we have we are very strong in healthcare. We are one of the largest licensed practical nurse training provider in Canada. We have a lot of Filipinos. A lot of Filipinos because they, 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 they speak English very well. That's almost their first language besides Tagalog. And they are very typical in, the, in that industry. So, yes, we have a large contingent of Filipino uh, international students in the healthcare sector, finance, accounting, maybe another demographic group. So everyone have their own niche, like uh, South Asians. They love engineering and, and they're very good at it. So you may notice a lot of engineering and, and, and uh, finance programs are South Asians. So again, it's a very broad base uh, understanding that uh, you know cannot be sort of defined. Oh, certain group or certain type of program is more suitable for a certain demographic. But Toby, do you see a shift towards application-based learning versus theory and idea? I think both should always be combined. They should always be combined. And even online learning uh, versus in-class learning, you know, we sometimes ask that students, right? You know, why did you fly all the way here to learn English? You could have done that for $50 a year <laughs> from your home country. It's learning the Canadian culture, networking, making friends. And that's why they pay, they pay $40,000, including housing, like $20,000 for language training for a year and $20,000 for housing, not including plane tickets. They could have done that for $50 living in Japan. <laughs> so no, that sort of really proved that they were here because uh, they want to learn something more than their colleagues when they were in their home countries. While 98% of the population are just studying locally, the 2 or 3% that goes abroad, they obviously will achieve more, learn more, see more, uh, and go home better at it. I love it, my friend. I think uh, this has been an outstanding conversation, Toby. Before we wrap up today's show, we got to ask you, we got to ask you for a challenge that you can throw at our students, a macro challenge, a micro challenge. What should they be thinking about? Well, you know, my, I think mine, I would probably go within, let's say, the real estate sector. You know, there's, it's been a big issue in the city. I would love to hear what people think or suggest. How could Vancouver create, like, a, how could we, one or three or five solutions can reduce that housing crisis? The government, the politicians have a one-track mind, okay? I'm not anti-government or anything, but they often have one-track mind and say, oh, by beating up the landlord, control the rent, uh, and, 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 and that way, there will be lower rent for the renters. But then they haven't thought about when you start beating up the landlord, the landlord will stop investing. Forget it. You know, I'm just going to give it up. Make the supply chain even tighter. When there's less supply and the demand continue to grow, 
Now what? The problem triples. So my challenge to the, to your student is, what are your three or five or two suggestions that can sort of reduce this, provide more supply to the system uh, and make it more available to, to people who need to rent? So that, that is always a million dollar questions. And it won't be one answer fit all. It will be a combination of, I would love to see what people would say. There may be some, you know, uh, uh, more extreme ones. Just control the landlord. Don't allow them to increase the rent. (laughs) That's what the city hall is doing. But, you know, I love, Toby, what you're thinking because we need to think more innovatively. we got to think if we want to support the growth that we talk about, we need the growth. We need to support. Like, I, I want to eventually retire. How about you? I want to make sure there's a pension there for all of us. But, yeah, we need that support system. So we need to be innovatively thinking. We need to think differently about how to solve this crisis. And uh, I love it, my friend. Absolutely. That was great and awesome episode. So that was another episode of Innovation Fuel. Thank you, Toby. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Innovation Fuel. We are on all podcast streaming platforms, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Visit our website at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovation fuel. Also, follow us on Instagram at innovation underscore fuel.